our honoured guests tonight. Let's hear it for Nigel Benn and Chris Eubanks. And of course, your promoter who's responsible for putting this great event together. Give it up for Steve Gray. Okay, here we go. Are we okay keeping the same sides, gentlemen? We'll have um, Chris there and Nigel there. Are you okay with that? Ladies and gentlemen, give it up one more time for our honoured guests. For Chris and of course for Nigel Ben. Wow. The vibe now to what it was, are you ready for this, when that first fight happened 31 years ago? The difference in the vibe is unbelievable. And I'm going to jump off the stage because I'm not worthy of staying up here, but like an old git, I have to climb off like that, like that, like that. No, not, not for now. We'll swap in a minute. Okay? You are right with that? I'm right with that. But the vibe's so different, 31 years on. In fact, 31 years on, in a few weeks, it, it marks the 31st anniversary of that first meeting between you two gentlemen. We're gonna go back to that time. But before we go back to that time. And you're gonna start with him this time. Will we start with him first? Start first. <laughs> Well, before we go back to that time, what I'd like to do briefly is plot the course of how you two reached that point of collision on that day in 1990, okay? So let's go back to the early years of both of you. Just give us a brief, pray say, a little sort of couple of paragraphs on what it was like being a young man, your childhood years. I'm going to go to you first, Chris, because that's the request that's been put to me. It should be on. I, 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 I always uh, switch it off just in case it catches some type of feedback and feedback and screams. The screaming makes me. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I know you all think I am a tough guy. I'm not tough. Really? I'm a very sensitive soul. Yes. Yes. Only uh, when it comes to boxing, I have the right attitude. Having the correct attitude enables me to stay away from the hospital. Enables me to keep my memory because this is a very dangerous way of life. To you, the spectators, it is a sport. To us, it's a way of life. And it hurts. Yes. Yes, and you lose your faculty. Yes. Just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> so, so, how did this all start? So, with me, I was driven by three brothers who, one didn't talk to me, literally, never spoke to me. Always trying to win. Why does he speak to me? It hurt me. Couldn't make sense of it. The other always called me like a fool and lazy. Yes, yes. And the other, David, 
constantly beat me up. It's a pain when you're being beaten up for no reason because it becomes emotional. Why are you doing this? Okay. So it was from that where I was driven to win their respect. And at 14 years old, I understood that Simon and Peter, the twins, were boxing. And I thought, well, okay, if they're boxing, if I can box, then they will respect me because you've got to be tough. You've got to be true. You have to be real to box. And if I can prove that I'm real, they will, then they will respect me. That's what drove me. Now, I'm going to try and pass this on to Nigel. And I'm sorry, Nigel, this is heavy. We don't do light. We are light, we are light like a feather, but we are heavy like lead. You see, what I'm going to say to you is that his brother was killed by racists when he was eight years old. Yes, that's what drove him to have the intensity in battle that you saw. Absolutely. I passed it over. Thank you. Yeah, well, let me just rewind a bit. Yeah, I grew up with six brothers. Uh, yeah, we would always fight. Back in the day, back in the 70s and the 80s, always fight with the National Front and always winning. It was just a, it was just a part of life. It was uh, even waking up late for breakfast at my house back in the 70s. You woke up late, you missed breakfast, that was it. There was nothing left for you. You'd have to wait for dinner. Not lunch, dinner. That's how it was. But then I joined the army. Well, I missed out a lot bit there. Well, I was always that shoplifting. And I remember back in 1976, when Nick the crushed velvet jacket from Marks and Spencer's. And I remember, I was going the wrong track. When my brother died, my whole life just changed. It was like, it affected me all through until I was about 45 when I dealt with a lot of issues that I never knew that I had childhood trauma. And I didn't realize why I was the way I was because I lost my hero. The only way I can actually describe it is when Simba lost the Fasa. He wandered around in the wilderness for so many years. That was me, that was my lifestyle. It was like, a, didn't, I didn't know where I was going, didn't know what I was doing. I was very angry because someone took away my hero, my brother. He was only 17. He was pushed through a window, cut into ground and bled to death. And at that time when I was a young boy, I was thinking, man, he's a big man. When you're like 18 years, I've all drew a big man back in the 70s. And now I'm like 57, I think to myself, he was just a little boy. My, my, my brother was just a little boy. He didn't even see, he didn't even see life. So that kind of really scarred me. So then I was all that shoplifting, always fighting, got done for Virginia, Fred Bearden, had been selling goods, and I thought to myself, I need to change my life. So I changed my life, I joined the army, spent four years, 256 days in the army, army number 2460461, people there being circumcised in Royal Regiment a few days. I I went all the way out, I started boxing in the army, went all the way out from world to heavyweight to beat the guy, George J, who beat my brother John. So I went all the way to heavyweight, beat him, come back down to world weight. Never lost a fight in the army, left the army with an exemplary record, a 
they put my, my, my part in that paper a sad loss to the battalion, so that was really nice. Uh, so when I went for a job, yeah, look at that, read that. <laughs> so I left that. And then um, I was doing like, I didn't really want to carry on boxing. I became security guard. And would you believe it? <laughs> security guard in Woolworth. <laughs> in Woolworth. Security guard. I was absolutely hoping for that. Unfortunately, not, you know, not really. Didn't know what he was doing, but oh, he, he looks a bit slippery. <laughs> and I've done that for a while, but I thought to myself, why don't I just do a bit of boxing? And so, because I had all the, the determination, the will to win, all from the army, I owe so much to the, the, to the fusiliers, uh, giving that determination, the will to win. Then I just turned professional then. Wow, interestingly, what has now, having done this is the third interview with both of you gentlemen, We've now, I think, worked out that it was anger that drove you forward to become a great champion. And in your case, Chris, if you don't mind me saying, it was the fact that you'd been bullied. You, you were a victim, in effect, and you had to fight your way through it and, and learn how to be uh, very strong. Well, I couldn't handle my brothers, but anyone in school, Taking advantage of other children? No. That couldn't happen with me around. I wasn't in school to learn about history or painting or cooking. I was in school to protect those who would be taken advantage of. That was me. Well, glad you weren't in my school then. Imagine. Because you would have had the fight back then instead of imagine. Yeah, it would have been the trilogy. That's why today I have a martial. Yes, sworn in the court of law. Yes, I am proud of this. You will always see me wearing it. I am always on duty. Yes. Now, we're autistic. Oh, now, you know that, or you would assume that. Yes, we're, I'm autistic. I'll speak for me. Okay. Which just leads me to, I have to just please bear with me one moment. There's a gentleman sitting down, and the table is, and he's sitting, the table he should be facing the window, and he's actually sitting there like this. And it's hurting me. <laughs> Please, turn your chair around. to make champion, watching how they fought, watching their skill sets, watching their strengths and their weaknesses. See, when you're autistic or when you have what they refer to as, it will come to me. <laughs> when you have ADHD, conduct disorder, that's what I think you mean. OCD. OCD? It's much more than that. Asperger's. 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 Yes. Asperger's. It's me. Yes. yes. How do you know that? If you know what Asperger's is. When I was fighting, if you go back and you look at, uh, like before the, the fight started, what you saw was this. Yes. <laughs> 
Asperger's, Asperger's, yes, autistic, autism. And, and so when you see someone like that, you do not want to fight a man who behaves in strange ways. Yes. Amen to that. So it was all part of the game plan then? Well, no, it wasn't a game plan because it was normal to me. I didn't think I should be walking towards the ring going... <laughs> I saw Joshua the other day hugging the, hugging the guards on the way to the ring. That's the wrong attitude. That is the wrong attitude. Look, if you, if you, if you look at a, a waiter, if the waiter says, so someone says, uh, excuse me, you, you, let me have some attention. Would you just wait? You know, what are you doing? Just, just wait, you can see I'm serving somebody else. That's the wrong attitude. Uh, one minute, sir, please. Uh, I'm just looking after this, uh, this client. You have to have the right attitude. Boxing is gladiating, it's modern day gladiating. So centuries ago you'd lose your life. So because of civil civility, uh, where we have to be civil today, uh, you don't get killed by the sword. And the referee is there to stop your opponent from hospitalizing you. It's modern day gladiating. So what is the attitude? The attitude is to be so, I was behaving as I was supposed to. You know what the media did? The media told you all that I was arrogant. Look at him. Who's he think he is? Yes, he's the guy with the right attitude. I'm going to fight a man who may hospitalize me, who may take my life. So, this... <laughs> I, I didn't get it. So, I was being normal. Now, Nigel, Come on, like this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Michael, see what, what the media did, the media told the people and told other fighters, well, Eubank is a fake. There isn't another fighter on earth who speaks the king's English the way he does. There isn't another fighter on earth who wears a monocle, has a cane, is always a gentleman. He's got to be a fake. No. No, I was autistic, and I was real, and I had integrity. Integrity is as follows in boxing. If I'm having my arse handed to me, I will, I will, I will accept it. I'm not going to quit. Yeah, because if you think about it, when it's all on my side and I'm winning and I'm looking good, well, there's going to come a day when it's coming my way. Then what am I going to do? Am I going to punk out? Am I going to say, well, I can't take it anymore? Will you like giving it out, but you can't take it? Uh, no. no when, I, when, I, when I was taking it, I took it well. Which, which is how I won the respect of my brothers. Yes. Nigel, the lead up. The lead up to that fight which took place on the 18th of November, the 18th of November, 1990, nearly 31 years ago, there was a totally different Nigel and Chris sitting down on various television shows and the, the hatred, the, 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 the sheer 
animosity between you two, and both of you, I'm not saying played the parts well, but it seemed to be real. Was it as real as it was on TV? We never played the part. This is real to me. It wasn't an act or anything. Yeah. He was always calm, I was always angry. That was just the way it was. I'd go and look at his face and he'd be like, and that would set me off. Sometimes you can err more to one side and you think he's the favourite. It was 50 50. 
And I think that's what grabbed the attention of the public around the world is, and the fans around the world. Not was it just 50 50? It, well, to me, it was a now. I just thought I was going to go in and iron him out. <laughs> yeah, from your perspective, yeah. I didn't think it was 50 50 whatsoever. Well, you wouldn't. Until he punched me. <laughs> right. And that, that was it, because I thought he had an unbelievable body. I wish I had a body like him. You know? Guys, But yeah, when he hit me, then I realised that he was for real. And he was fast. And he was accurate. And I'd done a couple of them. <laughs> and I said to myself, Sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> Did he see that? And he kind of looked at me and said, yeah, I'm in trouble here. And yet, he was just powerful, he was just strong. And one thing he said last week, or Sunday, he said, I got underneath him and I picked him up and I stood up here to say, you ain't all that. But I didn't realise I burned up so much energy. I was like, oh my gosh. It's all bravado, thinking they're showing how strong I was. Yeah. But I actually felt it in my legs. Not taking it away, it was his night. I mean, he fucked me in the eye by accident in the fifth for about the fourth round. Might be an accident, might not be. <laughs> and yet, when he was hitting me, it felt like a needle was just pricking me in my eye. It was like, it was just, it was just hurting so much. When, Richard still stopped it. I wasn't shocked. As my dad would say, the dog that lives, runs away will live to fight another deer. That was my dad speaking in a raging accent. So, so it's like after that fight, you know, I, I knew I'd come back stronger. And, and you did. Yeah. And he came back objective, objective, never subjective. It's not about me. Uh, so, you know. Uh, what do you want? Do you want the prize? Or do you want to hurt the man? I wanted the prize. To get the prize, yes, I have to hurt the man, but I'm after the prize. So I've got to be objective. Never subjective. It's never about. And this, you know, I'm, I'm moving this away from uh, combat. You know, in your life, in, in your marriage, in your. Vocation is always objective, it's never personal. And especially as, if I can give you one little piece of advice, feeling, never feel that someone's against you because if you feel it, it is true, it's real. And in actual fact, it may not be. So your feeling, you always have to keep your feelings in check and always above 50. I'm always 100. Yeah, always 100. I'm always 100. Let me just put an eye on it. He thought I was going to get up and fight me. Did you see that? It was brilliant. You know, that brings me to a story. Shh, please. He, you know, he, he jokingly said, you know, he thought I was going to get up and fight him. Okay, listen to this. Here is one of my uh, my visual my my visualization or imagination dreams. One of my uh, I dream that this <laughs> for years I've dreamt this or daydream that someone comes up to me in a 
a public area in the street and says, you know what, you're this, you're that, you know, you're, you know, what, I'm not with you. Pat slaps me in the face. There are bystanders. All you bystanders, okay, this is my dream. For that to happen, because this will be what will be reported. You like, he seemed to, he slumped away like some type of coward. That's what I want reported because that makes me the man. Because I can crush you. Crush! But I'm a gentleman. You don't know what you're doing. If you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't do it. But what I'm not going to do is use my skill sets to put you in your place. You walk into trouble. Not for me to do that. Always have to be what? Objective. Because if I actually do put it in this place, I am the bully and the bad guy the next day in the newspapers. And the newspapers, as you know, now it isn't just a small town where it happened, it is global. And what am I doing? What are we doing? We are being custodians of the names of our parents. Yes. He's got a point, ladies and gents. He has a point. I'm working in that. Yeah, I, 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 because you guys come from different directions uh, into that ring, you're both coming from totally different directions. I think even in these three interviews that we've done so far, yourself and myself sitting here as the interviewer, we are getting a deeper understanding. We're getting a deeper understanding of. The direction that Chris is coming. Some some would be confused by it, but the clouds are beginning to clear, having three interviews under my belt with you. And I mean that with the utmost respect, Chris. Can we just go back to the action that happened in that ring during that first fight before we move on to the second fight? I'm just mindful of the time and so that we can get some questions in as well. Can you talk me through how it was for you in that in that first fight, both of you? start by, by telling you this before it actually slips my mind, having been a boxer. Look, you see, after the fight, the post-fight interview, this is what I say. I told you my chin was cast iron, Karen. I told you my chin was cast iron. About 30 seconds before that, I said, you hurt me. You hurt me bad, man. So, do, do you see? So, hurt and pain wasn't going to be enough to beat me. That, that is the, the that is, um, so the emotional beating that my brothers gave me, or my brother David gave me as a kid, it made it so that, yes, no, you, there's no way you're gonna hurt me and make me quit. See, some guys, good looking guys, hit them and they walk up anymore, they quit. Hurt is not gonna be enough. The only way you're gonna beat me is if you knock me out and I've lost uh, the, the, the ability to use my muscles for 10 seconds and not a lifetime. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hurt, no matter what you did. In the fourth round, in the fourth round, into a clinch. When your head drops, your jaw slightly opens. 
There's a movie then. That uppercut slipped a half-empty gash in my tongue. Pain was excruciating. It is secondary. I have to have my brothers respect me. Yeah. Yeah. So pain wasn't going to do it. And what Yao Kipling says in his gift, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. You see, the entire country was like, Ben's going to knock his head into the fourth round. Bro. Ben is going to knock his head into the fourth round. We're trying anyway. I know you did. So, but I knew in my head the beatings I had taken from my brothers and in these boarding schools and lockups, those beatings, I was prepared. I oh, am. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah, I, I, I understand you think it's going to happen, but no, you're not locking me up. I've never been locked out. Being stopped once, and that was a con. But anyway, I'm not complaining, because I'm always 100. Yes. Uh -huh. Nigel, your thoughts on that first fight before we run into the uh, what, what happened in the rematch three years on? Can you uh, any other memories? Obviously, the worst memory of all would have been dealing with it. But during the fight and post-fight, what was that like? That period for you? You know, it was, it was, it was hard to swallow. Yeah, losing to Chris. You know, uh, I think he just knew how to get under my skin. And I think it, it, it worked well. It, it fired me up. You know, anything he said, you know, it, it would just wipe me up. He just, just knew how to trigger me. And, please, and again, I wasn't trying. I, I thought I was behaving normally. Liar. Liar. No, no. The media. No. And the media, what they did, they said, yeah, he's, he's a fake. No matter what I did, it was pretend. It was, you know what they used to call me? And you may remember this. They used to call me the pretender. It was only after I beat them, you know what they gave me? Oh, here he comes again, the great pretender. <laughs> There's a song for you, young man. <laughs> the great pretender. Yeah. And it's uh, true. Yeah. It's a good one because it's true. People, people who see law for two reasons. Either something is funny or it's true. Yeah, that one's true. Three years down the line, you both are running in parallel, but I think by this time you get the opportunity to go up in weight, Nigel, and fight for the WBC. What I must respect and remind the audience, ladies and gents, is that a bit like the away team and the home team today, you've got a southern team coming up, Spurs, who incidentally I'm not the supporter of, but they're fighting away, they're playing away. You fought away twice, once in Atlantic City against Doug DeWitt, away from home. You weren't odds on to win it, you're away from home and you're surrounded by a pack of wolves who are jeering you in the ring. That pulls you down. But you came away with the WBO middleweight championship of the world. Obviously, Chris challenged for that, and Chris took that belt away from you. You then go up in weight, you get an opportunity to fight for the WBC. Again, it's away from home, which makes it so much more difficult. Yeah. And I know that you've also encountered a 
away from home, Chris. We'll talk about that in a moment. How hard was that, again, to go away from home in Italy, which is probably one of the most difficult, biased countries to, to, to win a belt? You could, you could knock him out and you might get a draw. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it wasn't that simple because uh, so it was actually Barry, Barry Hearn that really he went his man, Chris, his manager. Saw it out for me, got me yeah, the, the chance to fight for the WBC, which is to me the premier premiership belt. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and to have the opportunity to fight for that belt, I mean, that, that was an absolute godsend. And he wasn't going to let nobody try and take the belt away from me because they said he had a split eye and it was sitting from my head, but the only thing that was head part was from my right hand. And so Eddie, I mean, Barry Hearn, he made Eddie Hearn, Barry, Eddie, I'm my phone, Connor. Um, yeah. When I got the belt, I was just so elated. I could not believe it. I'm the WBC champion. Yeah, that's a fantastic achievement in itself, ladies and gents. Winning away from home twice. <laughs> what, it, what it actually did, Chris, if I may say. Go on. Can I just say, of course. Winning, winning away from home is, yeah, is extraordinary, uh, extraordinary behaviour to go into the back garden of the champion and take it. Yeah, extraordinary behavior. Uh, I don't mean to upstage you, but... There was a fellow uh, called Graziano Rochigliani who was on lead in 35 fights, six foot two in height. I went to Berlin, yes, I went to Berlin, I went to the backyard, yes, and I am boozled. Please keep it down. You see, you know, you know, that's a no, no, that's crude, no, you know, you know, but the poetry of movement, it was so beautiful. He was, he was watching me. He was watching me take the performance. The movement, he was mesmerized about this. Do you remember this fight? I do. <laughs> he was like this. <laughs> so I took the first four, five, four to five rounds. Well, the first five rounds. The fact then is, all I have to do then is actually stay in the fight. Yes. So again, observational skills. Can you, uh, it's almost like you black, con your way to the win. Okay, listen to this. At this time, I am the villain of villains in the United Kingdom. Everyone seems to hate me, or so the newspapers. So the newspapers made it, right. So after that performance, and keep in mind, when I did the ring walk, Germany, all the Germans are going <laughs> I get up on the ropes, on the ring apron, before I board the ropes, this is the ring, this is the crowd, 
turn around, I turn around and I go like this. I promise, I promise, this is what I saw. <laughs> I put the fear of God into them. Yes. The beautiful skills, you know, attitude. You know, if you can show you have the right attitude, yeah. So I beat that guy with my brains more than my brawn. Now, listen to this. Oh, the crack is mighty here. <laughs> so I come back to Please. the United Kingdom. Okay? My wife has given birth to my daughter, 1994. Okay, So she's breastfeeding. So we went to uh, this uh, Wembley Arena, 12,000 seats. Okay, we were supposed to be seated at 7.30. Okay, I got there, we got there at 2 minutes to 8. She was performing at 2 minutes to 8. Okay, sorry, she was performing at 8 o'clock. We got there at 2 minutes to 8. Everyone's seated. Right, so there's 11,998 people. Right, so me and Karen, my then wife, we walk in. We're ushered to this usher here. Out there at the front. Front row next to Barry and Susan Hearn, uh, my then promoter. Okay. As I begin walking down, I get a standing ovation. Standing. This is a guy who is supposed to be hated. I got a standing ovation. And it went on for about four minutes. Why? Because what I was doing in Britain with what seemed to be arrogance, doing it against the Germans. Oh, you don't know what I Yes, yes. I do not, I, I do not agree with this, but it may be so, but I'm not sure. Barry Hearn, he explains the story to where when I get to my seat, I, I say to the usher, you can tell, uh, please let me Barbara Streisand, you can tell her to it. You can tell her she, she can perform now. I, I don't think I did do that because I, I've never been arrogant. Appearances, yeah, appearances. Well, you're not here to stand in the Asian here, man. I can assure you. <laughs> you know what? I, I think, think I think because of who you are and the things that you've done. Okay. One in particular is that he fought a mini man classic called Gerald McCullough. Yeah, yeah. And he got knocked out of the ring. The standing ovation is going to come, my man. Okay. He got knocked out of the ring in the first round, and fighters of high intellect like me were saying, it's mad. You can't fight this man. You know, you are a you are a high standard fighter, but you're not the caliber of Gerald McCullough. Okay. It's not out of the ring in the first round. Right, so when you're watching this fight, if you go back and look, it's almost like he where am I? I gotta get back in the ring. And he gets back in. He walks back into the fire. How can I not love this man? How can you not love this? How can you not give this man a standing ovation? 
wonderful, wonderful tribute and, and it shows the respect and it's so, what's so privileged for me is that the, the mutual respect now uh, between you two gentlemen is, uh, it's so apparent, it's, it's out there for all to see, but it's never really been seen to this date until this tour started. It never made sense for the new and to print this. What was my training for? I used to box for a What was I? Where, where, where was I? Respect. The newspapers wouldn't give credit because it didn't make any sense to give credit. Because they could sell newspapers with my cane and my monocle, and what they told you was arrogance. Which wasn't arrogance, again, it was what? When you are good at what you do because you've studied intensely for years and years, that is called ability. Yes, ability. In closing, I've got a slight problem with the microphone, so I'm, whilst I don't, it's fine. Is it, is it fine at the back? No. Just for a second. I'm technical, so I need somebody to give me new batteries in this microphone very quickly, please. Can, can someone assist? Okay, so can you share that microphone for a few moments while I do that? So we're going to go into the audience, perhaps given a chance to talk about the second fight, if we may, which we'll, we'll, we'll do that now. So we're going to grab a few questions. I need a technical to grab this other mic off me and get new batteries put in it, please. Now, okay, question number one. This is uh, to Nigel. I just want to ask, how did you meet Tony Tuga? Have you got any stories about Tony Tuga? And uh, what did you think after? And like, what happened? How he died and stuff? Have you got any stories about that, Nigel? Well, that, 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 that uh, 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 a kind of another life that really I can't really talk about that because it's like you know that they're still a bunch of gangsters that done some naughty things. It's not really where. I really want to talk about to you the truth of my past life, not my life now. I can't do that. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to this gentleman here on table number 23. Here we go. Hi, Nigel, Chris. Um, Nigel, uh, when you felt the power of General McClellan, um, you know, after you, you got your senses in the first round. Yeah. After you actually felt the power, because your enthusiasm was out of the window in round two, um, just to attack him and attack him and attack him. I'll tell you what it was. It was Denny Manfini, God rest his soul. He said to me, look at the state that you've got him in. Look at the state that you've got him in. And, I mean, this guy bashed a granny out of me. He knocked me out, out of the ring, you know. But because Dilly Mancini, something happened in my, my subconscious because all of a sudden now, I want a referee to ring the bell. I want to get out and fight him. So in the second round, if you're the second round, I'm chasing him around the ring. So, so I didn't even actually start, after the second round, I didn't feel none of these punches whatsoever. Something happened 
in my subconscious. Even when he put me down in round eight, I remember I threw a right hand uppercut left hook and said, when you come out for round nine, you got more of that. Something just changed in me, and it was only because of Danny Mancini that gave me that, that inspired me to just go out, go out there and attack him, put pressure on him, put pressure on him. And I mean, as you all know, I came out with a damaged nose, damaged jaw, urinating blood for three days in the shadow of my brain. He came out paralyzed, 80% death, and in a wheelchair. It wasn't my intention, but this all started because of Don King. I was meant to fight a guy called Michael Nunn. Michael Nunn was a very slippery sample, very good fighter. And Don King said, Fight Michael now, but we're going to take a hundred grand off. I said, no, you're not doing that. He said, yeah, you are. I'm going to bring in mini Mike Tyson. So when he said that, usually a lot of people go, oh, okay, okay, I don't work like that. I spent 18 months in Northern Ireland, didn't know if I'm coming back. I'm a squaddy, and a Fusilier squaddy, a Geordie squaddy. You know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on my shield. That was it. That's a story. That's a story. Okay. Anybody else got a question? Okay, I'm coming straight through to you, young man, on table 18. Make it a good one, yeah? Nice and concise. Here we go. Right, you ready? Well, firstly, just want to say, um, my, my mother and father were both massive fans of you, and when I was uh, a child, I remember the late nights staying up, and they're no longer with us, so I just wanted to say that on their behalf while they're here. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Um, Thank you. Um, basically, I watched you both as, as, as like, my parents were, were younger. Well, sorry, I was younger. I watched you both on a TV show. It was like a Spartacus type of TV show. Or, and the gladiator. The, the gladiator. Was that real, or was that a producer thing where they made you kind of do? We never. No, we. Me, and Chris, always gonna have a rivalry, even if we play Tiddy wins or draft. We always, we always gonna have a rivalry. It's just like the way we, way we were. No, we didn't play. We didn't play. He just like I said, he knew how to. Wind me up to just him rubbing his head, getting in my face, getting in my grill. He did that all the time, he knew what he had to do. Gentlemen, ladies, you know, the indignity I suffered. Oh my goodness. You know what, I never thought this would come up. I never thought, I never, I, I didn't, we talk about stories, oh my goodness. There was this new team of fly-by-nights, chances, bengal lances, okay? And they gave me this story. You're gonna go over to Rome, you're gonna be in the amphitheaters where the Roman gladiators gladiated, and you can recite your poetry because I'm a poet. I'm a man with a heart. Yeah, and a, a very good memory when it comes to poetry of war. Okay, so they put me in, you're gonna be at this beautiful hotel at the top of the Spanish steps. They painted this beautiful picture. You bring your wife, everything's painful. Let me tell you. Oh my goodness. Oh, that competition was the toughest competition of my life. Why? Because I didn't I went there to recite poetry. Not to compete in carrying bags of weight and 
hill, you're gonna fight with the sword, you're gonna learn how to do now this swinging thing. And in every challenge, he crushed me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this time, yeah, I'm smoking cigars. Again, you know, I wasn't going over there to compete in any type of competition. But, see, now look at what pride is. Look at what pride is. The cameras were on. The cameras were on me from the moment I got there until the moment I left. And I couldn't show myself to be a coward because that's what would have been reported. Yeah. So in the shape I was in, which was dismal and no focus because I'm thinking about poetry and me and my wife at the top of the steps, I got slaughtered. <laughs> yeah. Every day listen to this. Listen to this. Okay, so because I've put it in my mind for like three months that you know we're going to be going out to these beautiful restaurants at night in this Italy at the at the uh, what was okay I can't remember the name of the place exactly okay when I got in when I got into the hotel room the next thing I remember was the next morning being woken up to have the next day again that's how tired. I was exhausted. And I want to tell you, Nigel, this is a story I tell. You wouldn't have heard it before because I speak very little about people. And I'm never speaking the negative, but you were foaming at your mouth to crush them. He was trying to kill me with a rubber sword. Yes. And I was like, please, my spirit, my spirit was like, I don't want to do this. But the cameras were watching. And so I had to pretend it. Oh my goodness, don't bring it up. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, we now go to the next question. We've got time for probably two or three more, and that's then it's a wrap. So here we go. Table 13, gentlemen. Nice one, mate. Yeah, Chris, Nigel, two top of the main champions, mate. Seen this fight both many times. Nigel more so. Chris. Why did you stick with the WBO through the through the, the, the channels of staying with the WBO? Nigel went WBC, went for a different fight, and I'm back and he was the, the, a big one for me, never mind the don't do it one. But I'm just thinking about like, you always said uh, Roy Jones was like the big boy, you know what I mean? You're always wanting to fight him. You, you sort of frightened him because he was that good. Not that you were frightened to fight him. But you both you talking to? You, Nigel, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Roy Jones, you always said that Roy Jones fight, yeah? Only no, but, no, it wouldn't, no, it wouldn't. I wasn't scared to fight him. No, I wasn't scared to fight him. But it was just, the fact that he was that good. No, that, that's not what I wanted. Yeah, it wasn't dead, you know? No, it wasn't that. I said, I remember what said it clearly. I think what happened to Joe McClellan Absolutely, it happened to me. But I, I would have fought him, I would have fought Joe. Okay, like, I don't think you were frightened to fight anybody. I, I think you know what I think even like Joe Calvecchio, who I think is absolutely the nuts. That's right. I would, I would have fought Joe. And I know, they all would have known that they'd been in the fight. You know what I mean? That's all I can do. Give my best. 100%.
Yes, because there is a there is a slight difference. Yes, I've got sense. Yes, no, I wasn't fighting Wojo. I wasn't going to fight him uh, because to fight him I would have to ask for the unification. I didn't have to, so I didn't dodge him. If he was number one contender for my title, I would have had to. And because you can't bottle out, because that crushes your reputation, I would have had to take the fight, take the fight. But I didn't have to because he was a champion in his own right. And I was clever enough to know, yeah, he's gonna take years off of your life. As would have James Tony. Yeah, no, I'm not doing I'm not doing bravado. Oh look at me, I'm tough. I'm the best in the world. No, I'm one of the best in the world, and I'm very happy with that position. That's the brain thinking. Because what's happening when you fight a guy like James Tony or Roy Jones? In my case, you have to go to war. And there is collateral damage that will, you will have to pay. Again, it would be a great fight from your point of view. From my point of view, I need to keep my memory. I need to actually balance. What can what can I do from what? What can and can't I do? You've got to think. You've got to have to, you have to be objective. Otherwise, you've seen fighters. You've seen fighters. You've been to these boxing shows before. Listen to the language, the slurring. Even I, I say, what were we talking about? It's gone. Why? Because when you get hit, on the greatest instrument on earth. Yes. Yeah, it causes damage. So I knew, yeah, I wanted a better quality of life or a quality of life as I get older. And I didn't want to end up like these guys who were tough. Looking at Nick Blackwell, for some of you younger ones here, he was all right. Oh, but you're fighting. Chris Eubank Jr., who's actually a real fighter and has firepower. Firepower. So, not, I'm not promoting my son when I tell you this, but he's got speed and the firepower. What he needed was patience, and he got it from Roy Jones uh, 18 months in Pensacola in his, on his farm. Now he has the patience. So, now what Junior will do, he'll wait, wait, wait. He'll be patient. You make a mistake. He'll get in and open fire. And when he opens fire, it's a beautiful thing to behold. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay, we'll move on to the next question. I've just about got time for two quick ones on one side and the other side of the room before we close down. Make it a good one, guys. Don't let the side down for Newcastle. Here we go. Just a quick question. Just a quick question for both years. Why didn't the trilogy have it? Good question. The trilogy is here. <laughs> timing, timing. Yeah, and uh, you know, he, okay. that's it. Okay. Just let me on the trilogy. 
timing it. And uh, if the fight would have happened in 95, 96, 97, we were past our prime. And, you know, I, you know, I always keep things 100, so we, we are always positive. But, but, they say the three, they say, they, no, they say the four. They say, obviously, Nigel and I, they say Michael Watson, and they say Steve Collins. And I'm going to tell you, well, nothing's stopping me from saying it, so I'm going to say it. No. The years were 90 to 94. He came in 95. Yeah, let me tell you about Steve, and if there's any reporters here, yeah, you can actually print this. Steve was an Irishman. Irish people, there are no, it is said, uh, Irish people are not clever. Let me tell you what. You know, there isn't. Irish people are the cleverest and the most switched on people, like the Scottish. Switched on. Okay. For years, I saw Steve do like this around me. He's still a bit too bright. He's still a bit too bright. A year later. <laughs> he stayed away from us between 90 and 94. So, you know, they say the Fantastic Four, when you talk of Hagler, Hans, and Leonard, and Duran, it was really me, Nigel, and Michael. Yeah. That fox came in and just waited, waited the right time. Yeah, and, and, and what's more, here is the proof. If you can remember the timeline, here is the proof. He was supposed to fight Joe Kawasaki, but because his nasal passages were so brilliantly, brilliantly focused. No. And what happened, if you remember rightly, what happened is I stepped in. I was supposed to fight a fellow called Mark Prince. Mark Prince is who I was supposed to fight. Okay, and what happened was Steve relinquished the title. Yeah, because he wouldn't fight Kawasaki. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to tell the truth about you, Steve, because it's gonna be reported what I'm saying, but it's the truth. He wouldn't fight Kawasaki, and I went in and had my arms handed to me. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen to this. Listen to this. When walking back to the changing room, a reporter with the camera, it's on camera. It's on camera so you can go and find this. They put the camera in my face and I say, now we know why Steve didn't want to fight Joe. That's right because they're very clever people. If you want to find a fool in Ireland, you have to bring them from another country because they don't exist in Ireland. Wow. John, yes, yes. your thoughts on that. We've got two quick questions before we... You know what it is? Me, me and Chris are different. I mean, I've got to give credit. He beat his first twice. Even though he beat us at our end of our, uh, end of our career, you know, what would we be like in a bit of okay? Could be a different thing, but yeah. I think I'm, not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock a man. Yeah, I agree with Chris. Hey? 
I agree with Chris. I think had he fought you two years earlier, it would have been a different story. Yeah. 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 Right. If you <laughs> Questions, right? We've got two quick questions to bring it to a wrap because I know some of you. I'm quick because I've got to go off to the game, so that's why. Here we go. Let's get it done. Yeah, well, Chris. Uh, I don't you dare go there. No, I don't you, don't you dare go there. Right. I'll change the question then. Do you, do you think there's going to be a fight happen between Ewan Jr. and Conor? No, 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 that's the way they, the way the, the, the way difference and the the size. Conor's twenty five. Chris, Chris Jr. is um, 32, so it's kind of still learning. Still learning his training. Chris is already there. No, that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> We've got to go. I'll hold the mic. <laughs> his, his son, uh, it, he, he inspires me because he has what it takes to be a great. Yes? He has what it takes. Let me qualify. Let me qualify that. See, not only does he have the ability, he has the most important thing. The, the most important thing, which is, he is obedient to his parents. Obedience. That's a great fighter. That's a tough man to beat. Yes. I've given him information, I've given him information, and he loves it. I was talking to him, I was telling him about the jab and how he should, he should master the jab so that he doesn't have to be in fights all the time. He said, you know what, I'm going to go back to the gym. I just left, but I'm going to go back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, or this afternoon, may I just say, from where I sit, Massive thank you to both of you. Thank you very much. And what I think the audience are going to be leaving um, later, and when you guys either have your dinner or go to the game, I think you're going to be, you're going to perhaps have a different take on how the build-up to these two fights happened, the rivalry, and also. For me, it, it, the warmth now between these two guys, you know, all that's now history. But although there's still that, it's a wonderful bit of rivalry now between these two gentlemen. I'm sure you'd agree. Let us, let us be, let us be instruments of peace. Where there is darkness, light, doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, and sadness, joy. Eternal Spirit, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled, to console, not so much to be loved, but to hear me, not so much to be understood, but to understand. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in loving that we are loved. 
It is in understanding that we are understood. Yes. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in giving up. It is in giving up to ego. It is in giving up to ego that we awake to a higher consciousness. Consciousness that we are observant, we are objective. Yes. Thank you. It's all about love. Ladies and gentlemen, it is. We got that now. We got that. It is all about love. And we hope that this afternoon you have loved what you've seen on this stage. Please give it up for our modern guest here today. What a great show it was. Richard Bax and the Dark Destroyer, Mr. Nigel Bear. Good morning, Mr. You think we get a standing ovation, didn't you? Thank you all very much. God bless you all. Okay, thank you.